0: You are listening to The Speak Podcast. The
1: podcast featuring talks from Speak, a public speaking platform for people with ideas and stories. Produced by Launchpad 516 Studios.
2: Welcome to The Speak Podcast, produced by Launchpad 516 Studios. New episodes available every week on all your favorite podcast platforms
0: speak is a public speaking platform for people with ideas and stories each speak talk features three key moments the moment of truth the moment of transformation and the moment of impact we host pop-up events all over the world and now we are bringing our
1: talks to your device our speakers are stepping onto the stage and into the spotlight and now onto this podcast
0: welcome to the show
1: Welcome to another episode of The Speak Podcast. I'm your host for today, George Andriopoulos, the architect and one of the co-leaders here at Speak. Today's micro theme is everyday incredible. The talks that we're featuring today really showcase the fact that in our everyday lives, incredible things can happen. And our three speakers for today, Kate Kelly, Tom Harden, and Jen Letterer, prove that. So let's dive in. Our first speaker for today is Kate Kelly, who spoke at the inaugural Speak pop-up event, Speak Beginnings on November 17th, 2022, in Farmingdale, New York. Kate has an incredible story of parenting a special needs child and the ups and downs that come with it. Her talk entitled, How to Be a Special Needs Parent Without Having Any Clue, showcases the fact that when parental instincts kick in, incredible things can happen. Kate and I worked together to collaborate on this talk, and Kate really, really went through a journey throughout this process. She was not a trained public speaker, although she had spoken in front of a ton of audiences in the past, being a past president of the special education PTA and a member of other organizations where she advocated for special needs children and parents. The genesis of this talk was really incredible to watch as Kate opened up about the challenges that she faced and the challenges that her son faced. And she showed the audience that when your back is against the wall, incredible things can happen. Without any further ado, here is published speaker Kate Kelly with how to be a special needs parent without having any clue.
2: It may not be easy to hear, but no mother sits at her baby shower as she's rubbing her big belly, opening onesies and bottle warmers, only to say, I hope my child has special needs. It Doesn't happen. Our son was three years old. We knew he had a speech delay. But we thought if we got him in a preschool and we put him with other kids to socialize, he would catch up. About a month in, the teacher calls us in and says, you know it's more than just speech, right? Oh, um, yeah, yeah, of course, of course, yes, we know. We didn't have a clue. Enter the world of special education. The research, the doctors, the endless internet surfing, the feeling of everything you don't know, and then when you think you're just getting empowered and think you can't get any worse, It gets worse our son was in first grade and um, I get a call from the principal not the school nurse she says he's a little off (laughs) have you met him Uh, (laughs) be serious I want you to come and get him I need you to take him to the doctor but I want you to bring a friend with you I thought She's really overreacting, and I definitely wasn't taking her seriously, but God works in mysterious ways, and just because I wasn't taking her seriously, it doesn't mean he wasn't. My car was in the shop, (laughs) and my husband works in Queens, so I called a friend. We go to pick him up. His eyes were a little glassy, he was a little quiet, but there were no major red flags. We get in the car, I sit next to him, and he has his first grandma seizure. His little body convulsing next to me, his little skinny legs and arms flailing from side to side, and his big old noggin of blonde hair riddling. I was helpless, frozen, the longest 60 seconds of my life. When it stopped in my heart, um, I thought we lost him. I had never seen a seizure before. I didn't know it was common for the body to go limp afterwards, normal to lose consciousness. I knew that my baby was hurting and I couldn't help him. We got to the hospital and I couldn't even lift him. I was a dead weight in complete shock. She scooped him up, ran in. Over the next 24 hours, he had three additional seizures. It was not fun. (laughs) The body protects the patient with amnesia, so they have no memory of it. But as the person who gave birth to that patient, I was not afforded that amnesia. No parent should ever have to experience that. It will be something that stays with me forever. And again, it's not something you think about when you're putting a crib together. The next few years, they were kind of a blur. Um, Mental, physical exhaustion. Except for this one vivid memory of this Gut wrenching experience. I bring Ryan to the park, I sit him in the swing next to all these other little kids, and I'm sure I'm gonna have mom talk. And I'm still shocked how quickly these other moms move their kids away from him, glancing back at him, sure they were gonna catch something. <laughs> Ryan's ADHD, his epilepsy, it's not contagious. If you spend time with him, you're not going to get a speech delay or become intellectual disability. But I warn you, if you spend time with him, you'll catch his humor, his old man humor, his sincerity, his purity. Being a mom of a special needs child, you develop a thick skin pretty quickly. You see different sides of people and hopefully you build your own community that can see And hear him. I remember the first day I really heard him. Summer, um, every summer, register my kids for the typical summer rec program, and we had dropped my daughter off, and I hear his little voice in the back seat, and he says, I wanna go there, I wanna be a real kid. (laughs) I stayed focused on the road, filling up with tears. My heart sank, and I said, What? And he said, I just want to be a real kid like Sissy and go there and have fun. Well, that next day they both went to summer (laughs) wreck. Yeah. (laughs) It wasn't like it just happened, right? But I knew this was something that he needed. It took phone calls, working out logistics, mentally preparing for all the ways that it could go wrong but I knew that he needed this. He needed this to feel like a real kid. And I needed this to become a real advocate. If you'll allow me a proud mom moment, at the end of Summer Rec, Ryan earned the Summer Rec Award. And if I hadn't learned enough from him, watching those kids as they celebrated him, I realized it wasn't just Ryan getting something out of being around typical peers, but they were gaining something from the experience of sharing a space like, with a kid like Ryan. I have cards. <laughs> it was probably also at that moment when I realized if you don't ask for something, the answer is always no. So now I know it all. And I know nothing. <laughs> I have learned so much over the years, whether from trial and error, sharing other people's experiences, and you just keep learning. I've advocated for the past 12 years for not only my children, but all children. I've had conversations, I've talked to everyone possible, I volunteer on a local, a regional level. It doesn't always prepare you. And life, life keeps you humble. We had a few quiet years, we think, it's good, we know what we're doing. And then Ryan turned 18. And realized, I don't know a blessed thing. We're not naive to his situation. We knew he's not going to college, he's not getting married, he's not exploring different careers, but it brings this whole clarity of what's next. How do we make sure he has a fulfilled life? How do we make sure he's happy? And how many sleepless nights thinking, who will take care of him when we die? But bless his heart, cutest thing ever. He tells us every day he's moving to Vegas, marrying a super hot model. (laughs) We can come and visit Christmas and birthdays only if we bring presents. How and when do I tell him and break his heart? I know all three of my children have made me a better person. My older son, he made me less selfish. Our youngest and only girl, she brings out the gangster in me. (laughs) If you have a girl, you know what I'm saying. What Ryan has given me is patience, resilience, strength, and unconditional love. I would give my own life for him to have an easier one. Let me be clear, I'm not asking for a different child. He is my world. You can relate like this. When your child is sick, maybe has a fever, and you rub their head and say, oh, I would do anything to take your pain away. Imagine living a whole lifetime of that. Struggles are struggles. Neurotypical, neurodiverse, everyone struggles. All these years later and I'm still second guessing all of my decisions. Some days I feel just as lost as the first day of his seizure. But there's this clarity in accepting that you don't know everything and you don't need to. This is what I do know. I will always be there to protect him. I will always do whatever I need to do to lift him up. And whatever he needs, We will do it for him. Funny story, a few weeks ago, Ryan was going through something and because of that, I was in my closet crying for about 40 minutes, thinking about all the ways I was failing my child. And then I get a text from a girlfriend and she had been working on something and it worked out and I said, oh, great job, dropped a cute meme so proud of you and her response my goal is always to impress you <laughs> impress me who or why would anyone want to impress me i'm a hot mess i have index cards <laughs> but in a way it's it's how i've gotten through parenting sharing with other people that don't know what they're doing There's a strange beauty in accepting that it's okay not to know everything. I'm nothing special. I'm just a mom sharing her story. The whole story. The sad parts. The successes. The funny parts. I share the story for myself. I share it to hope that sharing it lets someone else know that they're not alone. I share it because maybe you can learn something from things we've gone through. I share it because someone shared something special with me that gets me through. Thank you.
0: Wasn't that an amazing talk? I'm Fred P. Bannon, the builder and co-leader here at Speak. Now, As I listen, my mind goes back to when Kate first started. Now, Kate's talk was one of my favorite because I remember during rehearsal when she heard the other speakers speak. Some of whom are professional speakers. And she was nervous. And when I said nervous, very nervous. To the point where she was going to quit. And what I love about community is everybody came around and said, Kate, we need your story. We need you to share what you have. Because the world needs to hear this. And... We said, give it one more try. Don't worry about how you sound. Don't worry about it being scripted. Just give it one more try. And I'm telling you, when she was done, there was not one dry eye on that Zoom call. And we watched everybody give feedback to Kate and her eyes lit up. At that moment, the shift came. She was impacted. And I believe that We are impacted to impact others. And that's exactly what Kate experienced. And I will never forget that. Thank you, Kate, for sharing an impactful story that transformed all of our lives. Keep sharing your ideas and stories.
1: Our next speaker shares a story that absolutely blew me away the first time I heard it. Nominated by our channel partner, Frank King. Published speaker Tom Harden came to me with the inside story of Tipper X. Now, as you listen to this talk, you're going to hear this incredible story of the time period that Tom went through early in his career that taught him so much about professionalism, integrity, and then the aftermath of a traumatic event. More importantly than the incredible circumstances of the story is the way that Tom picked himself up after those incredible events and changed his life for the better. Here is Tom Harden with the inside story of Tipper X.
3: Picture a typical Tuesday morning amidst the vibrant energy of a Midtown Manhattan summer. Like most people, you wake up early to get a head start in the day, perhaps squeezing in a workout or some chores before work when unexpectedly, in the middle of your regular routine, two FBI agents materialize seemingly out of thin air, openly displaying their badges and questioning you about happenings at your workplace. They possess detailed knowledge about your private life, your recent weekend whereabouts and confidential information about your family, your heart, is racing. Confusion sets in. What is happening? Then it hits you. Those trades, the casual chats. I mean, the dollar amounts were so small. How could the feds know? This scenario may sound like a scene from a movie, but this is my live reality the onset of a chain of events that would forever alter my life's trajectory. My story began in the quiet suburbs of Atlanta, Georgia, the product of a middle-class family with dreams that reached the gilded halls of the Ivy League. Upon graduation, I was thrust into the adrenaline-pumping world of finance, finding a place at a hedge fund specializing in tech stocks. My journey, though, took a sinister turn at the crossroads of greed and deceit, a forbidden stock tip, a whisper of insider knowledge. And I was drawn in sharing this illicit information with a friend. This solitary action sent shockwaves through my world, beginning my moral and professional descent at the tender age of 29. After sharing this information with my friend, I did hesitate before buying the stock myself, a flickering moral compass trying to steer me away from this dangerous course. Yet, I watched others succumb to the lure of illegal gain. Their actions, their rationalizations, everyone's doing it, who am I hurting, blurred my ethical lines and I too fell prey to the siren call of easy profit. With each passing day, my ethical boundaries eroded, pulling me deeper into a moral abyss. Isolated from voices of reason, I sealed my own fate. The consequences of my choices were inevitable and their gravity came down upon me, dismantling my career in one fell swoop, we're with the FBI. Four words that triggered a seismic shift in my life. Suddenly I was a minnow in the vast, unforgiving ocean of finance, thrust into a high stakes game of cat and mouse. I was pushed towards a crossroads that would redefine my very existence. As the global financial crisis raged, my life began to mirror a Hollywood thriller replete with suspense, twists, and turns. Assuming the alias Tipper X, I recorded over 40 clandestine conversations across two years for the FBI. This sparked the largest insider trading investigation of our era, culminating in the arrest of over 80 individuals as part of Operation Perfect Hedge. At a certain point, a notable target of the inquiry even lured me to a swimming pool to verify if I was wearing a wire. Now The Sopranos was popular that summer and all these ideas were going through my head, but fortunately, with a bit of quick thinking, I managed to evade this aquatic inquisition without blowing my cover. In the midst of this chaos, I found clarity about the true meaning of life, family, and the profound importance of the choices we make. Our lives' most transformative moments often arise from tumultuous times pushing us to change, born out of profound self-realization. My first daughter Molly's birth was such a defining moment for me, a beacon of light in the darkness. When I held Molly for the first time, her tiny fingers entwined with mine, the gravity of my past actions finally struck me. I saw myself through her innocent eyes and I realized the dire need for my own transformation and not just for me now, but for my daughter. I wanted to be a figure of strength, honesty, and integrity for her, a genuine role model. So in December 2009, only two months after Molly's birth, I pled guilty to securities fraud, commencing a long journey of atonement. As I stood in court that day, I understood that admitting my crimes was an essential first step towards redemption and personal growth. Becoming a father opened my eyes to the immense responsibility I bore and not just to my family, but to myself. I realized I couldn't inspire my children to lead a noble life if I didn't embody it. I knew I had to transform to rectify my wrongs and reclaim the man that I wanted to be. As an unemployable convicted felon, I tried to start a new business as a fresh beginning. However, with my reputation in tatters, my plans quickly crumbled. Try kickstarting a venture and telling potential investors, Oh, by the way, just don't Google me. (laughs) And then life in it's humbling way reminded me of a neglected area. My health. As an obese stay at home dad, I found myself struggling for breath, carrying Molly up the stairs one day, serving as a stark reminder of the need for change. My transformation needed to be comprehensive. In a situation where 85% of marriages crumble under such strain, my wife Sue not only weathered the storm with me, but charted a new course towards long distance running. She signed me up for a 5k race, and though I certainly struggled, and yes, Sue did beat me pushing Molly in the jogging stroller. (laughs) This marked the beginning of a new chapter. By acknowledging my past and committing to change, I began to rebuild my life stride by stride. Each step took me away from the man I was and towards the man I wanted to be for myself and for my family. Yet, while I was getting fit, running marathons and even a 100 mile ultra marathon, I hadn't yet tackled the most significant obstacle, rebuilding my shattered reputation, and reinventing my career. Well, sometimes life's unpredictable twists can be more dramatic than any fictional plot. Seven years after pleading guilty to securities fraud, in the midst of my transformative physical journey, I received an unexpected phone call from the FBI. Now seeing my wife's word expression, what did you do now? <laughs> I braced myself. The very organization that had once used me as a human recording device was asking for my help again. This time they asked me to share my story with their rookie class of agents who were building some new cases. They informed me that I was the youngest individual they had charged in the previous cases and that my financial gains paled in comparison to most others. Now, at first I thought they were rubbing it in like I wasn't even good at breaking the law, (laughs) but then the irony wasn't lost on me, and I saw the bigger picture. My journey, my failings, my redemption could serve as a cautionary tale for other professionals, young and old. This call marked a turning point, a complete circle in my life's journey. I realized my past missteps could ignite a new passion within me, public speaking. And so I embraced a new career as a speaker and corporate trainer. I've had the incredible privilege to share my story at over 500 engagements for audiences in 13 countries. But it's not the traditional path of speaking. Imagine disclosing to a room full of strangers nearly every week for almost seven years the worst thing you've ever done. (laughs) Yet it is my catharsis, my penance. Each speech is a stride toward creating a positive ripple in society, and every listener is a chance to inspire transformation. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Tom, for sharing this incredible story. I can almost guarantee that our audience was sitting on the edge of their seats listening to this incredible story as it unfolded. Speaking to Tom myself numerous times over Zoom meetings and phone calls, it was incredible to know that I was actually talking to this human being that had gone through these experiences. We hope you enjoyed Tom's talk, which took place at Speak Freedom on July 13th, 2023 in Belmore, New York. Our final talk today comes from published speaker, Jen Letterer. This talk was so special and it took place at our Speak Laughter event on August 16th, 2023 at the studios at Launchpad 516. The theme of the laughter event was centered around the concept of laughter, but in addition, the talks at the event also had a humorous tone. Now, I had followed Jen for years as a public speaker and a coach, and she has an incredible career and is known as such a professional in the coaching industry. But I had also watched the genesis of stand-up comedy career recently, and I thought it was incredible that she can go from such a respected place in the public speaking world and take on a new challenge like stand-up comedy, and by the way, kill it. What I also noticed during this time was that Jen had publicly come out, and she was using comedy as the vehicle to deliver that message. You'll find out more about this story as you listen to the talk, so without any further ado, here's Jen Letterer with How Comedy Helped Me Come Out from Speak Laughter, August 16th, 2023 at the studios at Launchpad 516.
4: In fourth grade, my school play was Peter Pan. As soon as I heard the news, I knew exactly who I'd play, Smee. Hook's lovable, codependent, hilarious sidekick. Seeing how I'd been making sold out audiences of stuffed animals laugh for years, I had it in the bag. When it came time to sign up for the roles that we wanted to audition for, I was told Smee is a boy's role and to choose something else. Okay, well, I choose to go tell my mom because this is bullshit. (laughs) And because the Spitfire does not fall far from the flame, the next thing I know, I'm auditioning for the role of Smee and killing it. I was cast as the mother. Who I was was not who the world wanted me to be. Society's standards coerced me away from myself, one subconscious and sometimes very conscious message at a time. The embers of the Spitfire who fought to place me continued to burn within me, but I still watched as I tried desperately to please them by way of never fully being me. I lost myself before I ever had a chance to meet myself. I went on to earn my BA in dance and moved to New York City in a jam-packed U-Haul, co-piloted by a guy who would be my ex within the year. It turns out he also wanted to cast me as the role of mother. (laughs) Fool me once. I learned to negotiate with society, to walk the line of being accepted while finding moments of authenticity when no one was looking dancing in the shadows of my own truth through alcohol-induced encounters with women and a belief that this is just a phase, so why pay it any attention? The problem is internalized shame and living your best life don't coexist. I spent all of my 20s and the majority of my 30s as an emotional contortionist. Step right up and watch as this woman tries to give the world what they want while suffocating her own wants and desires. Tale as old as time. <laughs> On a cold night in February 2018, I was invited to an intuitive painting class, which is peak millennial behavior, so I obviously couldn't resist. Regardless of the blistering wind chill, something told me I had to be there. We were given one word to inspire our paintings curiosity. The next thing I know, I'm staring down at a painting that can only be described as an owl who recently returned from an ayahuasca trip. (laughs) And as I'm signing my signature J on the bottom right corner, I hear the words, start comedy now. The call was coming from inside the house, so I knew better than to ignore it. I'd spent the previous two years proclaiming, I'm getting into comedy, anytime someone would ask, what's next for Jen? knowing full well I didn't have plans to actually do it. I may have been masochistic enough for point shoes when I was younger, but stand-up comedy, yeah, I'll pass. It was more fun to toy with the idea rather than actually pursue it, until the owl said otherwise. Of course my soul was calling me back to where it all began. Smee, the sold-out audiences of stuffed animals, My favorite movies to this day are Liar Liar and The Mask. As someone who has spent her entire career in the entertainment industry, I wish my favorite movies were more impressive, (laughs) but here we are. The same event space where I painted that all knowing owl offered me a three month residency to produce my comedy show and begin to explore myself and my voice in a new way. Amazing, what could go wrong? It's not like I was about to upend everything I knew about myself. One month later, I'm performing my first comedy set. It was 20 minutes and surprisingly funny. I know that because after the show, my boyfriend said, wow, you can actually make this comedy thing work. And while I didn't love the shock in his voice, I heard the words and I agreed. I was hooked. I set out to find the funny in my world. And in that pursuit came the realization that it's funny because it's true isn't just a saying, it's the only way into the funny. Well, fuck, I came here for the funny, not the truth. Can't you see all the elaborate ways I've successfully avoided that for years? But I was committed to the process and I knew that I couldn't let the fear of being seen stop me again. Oh, my 20s were a never-ending battle of yearning for the spotlight while simultaneously sabotaging every opportunity that came my way to step into the spotlight. And when I did get on stage, it was almost always with the help of liquid courage. This time was different. I was sober and ready to be seen. And that started with seeing myself. There were themes that continued to return in my writing those alcohol-induced encounters with women suddenly became way more relevant. It was through my pursuit of the funny that I finally put it together that straight women never sleep with other women. (laughs) One plus one, carry the queer, hello, self. (laughs) It's fun, though, learning something so informative about myself this late in life because now I get to wake up every day and look at myself in the mirror and say, what else aren't you telling me? I feel like we spend all day together, babe. I know nothing about you, which is the joke I posted online as my way of coming out to my family and everyone in my life. I didn't need to hold a press conference about my sexuality. I just needed to start accepting it, celebrating it, and being it out loud. I'm queer, I'm non-monogamous, I don't want marriage, and I'm still not trying to be anyone's mother. Everyone in my life is okay with all of this, by the way. A privilege I'm keenly aware is not the case for everyone in my position. My parents may not understand everything about who I am, but their love has never wavered. Not even when I came out as a comedian. I was so nervous to come out to my boyfriend, to ask for an open relationship. But I got to say, never in our five years of dating had he so quickly agreed (laughs) with an idea that I had. No hesitation, no follow-up questions. I swear, before I was done asking the question, the apps were downloaded. He was swiping like, whatever you need, babe. I support you finding yourself or whatever. (laughs) Most supportive boyfriend. People ask what it's like being in an open relationship, and the closest thing I can compare it to is it's probably a lot like being a Jehovah's Witness. Just a lot of conversations. Can I talk to you about a community I feel like you might be into? (laughs) When we first opened the relationship, he was getting way more dates than I was. Like, it's not that being open is a competition, but I was losing. (laughs) It's not my fault, though. I didn't know how to pursue women. I didn't know how to go after people with um, standards. (laughs) It's been a wild ride getting to know myself. I should have known my resistance towards getting into stand-up comedy was proof it was exactly where I needed to be. Now, I'm not saying everyone needs to get into comedy to find themselves. Please don't. (laughs) But stay aware of the whispers that have been present all along because when you're finally ready to hear them and trust them and follow them, (laughs) let the games begin. People resonate with the truth, good or bad, magnetic or repellent. My truth became a lighthouse of sorts, not only as a way for others to see me, but as a guiding light that revealed the parts of me society had convinced me to hide and the confidence to change course to be the me that had been there, waiting to be accepted and celebrated and acknowledged, waiting for me to hand her the mic and say, I'm listening. It's funny because it's true, but it's impactful because it's you. Thank you.
1: Wow, 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 what an incredible, talk thank you Jen for bringing the honesty and bringing the comedy I still giggle every time I watch this talk and I hear Jen say the line about being cast as a mother yet again speak laughter became our first ever speak at the studio event which we're going to talk about more in the future but the crowd was really intimate and small and Jen had everybody in that room engaged I thought this was a perfect talk to close out our micro theme of every day incredible not because it was incredible that jen came out but it was incredible that through a new challenge in her life and taking on stand-up comedy as this next mountain that she was going to climb she found the truth in herself and she was able to share that with the world and that part of it was so incredible that does it for this episode of the speak podcast thank you all for joining us thank you for supporting our live events and our podcast and of course watching these talks back on our YouTube channel. Please make sure to watch all these talks at the YouTube links in the show notes. Continue to follow us on social media. And remember, one microphone, one spotlight, one stage. That's all you need to make a difference. We'll see you next time, folks.
0: Speak Podcast is brought to you by Lunchpad 516 Studios. Executive produced by Fred P. Banning, Jason Martin, and
1: George Andriopoulos. Our theme song, Champions Day, is by Lupus Nocti. Incidental music, Melting Places, is by Andres Kantu. Music and sound effects licensed through epidemic sound. The Speak Podcast is hosted with Podbean.
2: Make sure to subscribe to this feed wherever podcasts are available and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts while you're at it. Follow Speak at Speak underscore Event on Twitter and at Speak event on all other social media platforms.
1: Visit our website, speakevent.com, for upcoming events, channel partner,
0: sponsorship, and Speak at Work opportunities. And follow all the Grid podcasts produced by Lunchpad 516 Studios.